Welcome to NRP's Leadership Conference podcast. Every February, pastors and leaders from around the country gather together at our Leadership Conference for dynamic teaching, powerful worship, impartation, ministry, and covenant relationships. Here's one of the recordings from our 2023 Leadership Conference. And, uh, such a, really such an honor to get to be with you all. And uh, it's my hope that this helps you and uh, practically leave with some practices that reflect the ministry of Jesus. Um, so just to reiterate, just to make sure we're five things that Jesus did to multiply, do what he did first. Again, you, the, the, I'm sure these will be available on some kind of link somewhere. Invest your time like Jesus did and look at your calendar, past and future. Right, I mean, literally, sometime today, look at what you have scheduled in the next three months. And if it doesn't have high-capacity people on your radar, you're not doing it. And it will cost you, more importantly, it'll cost the kingdom. And uh, so we spent our, our time focused on those two things. Now I want to get to the third one, it, which is why Jesus invested his time and influence. The why. Because there's a principle that until people know the why, the what is too hard. If I get up and say, um, you're trying to get people to serve in a nursery. And so they ask you, Pastor, will you make an announcement uh, that we need nursery workers? Because that's usually a common thing, right? Pastor, we need help. Would you make an announcement that we need help? No. Why? Because nobody wants to do that. Oh, until they know why. I said, tell me who you're talking to about your why. Better yet, what is your why? Oh. So you're just trying to recruit people to change diapers? Yeah, good luck. Maybe if you said to people, there are going to be babies in our care that you will be the first person to ever pray over them in their life. There will be moms and dads that if they don't have this service, they will never get into the service and you'll save their marriage. And this child will not grow up in a broken home because you cared for their child and invested your life when nobody was looking. And God who sees in secret will reward you openly. So why don't you help me save marriages and, and, and speak life over children who have maybe never had that in their life. Now, there are people who have a call to do that. Need help in making, I don't make announcements. I don't do recruiting. I won't let, I, you guys will not recruit from the pulpit. That is a waste of space and time. Because the what is now greater than the why. Until you know the why. The price is always too high. It's always. I mean, come on, man. I, I watched my oldest brother when they had their first daughter, and I saw the work. I was just, I was a lot younger. I thought, you got to be an idiot to have a kid. No, I mean, there was like ridiculous amounts of work. I'm thinking, who would do that on purpose? I saw what they were doing. Once you have a kid, you know why you do it. And it's, you can't help but do it because of the love you have. You know the why. Now, what I'm saying to pastors, please understand this. Every person in your church needs to operate in these principles 
that has any level of responsibility, authority, or leadership. Everybody. Not just the pastor. Everybody. In fact, if you work on our staff, and this isn't dictatorial, it's just a very clear expectation. If you want to do the work of the ministry, you can't work here. If I find out, or your supervisor finds out, you are doing things that people in the church should be doing, you're going to get fired. Well, well, I'm just being faithful. No, no, you're being a thief. There are people in our church that the head of the church graced to do something, and you've stolen it, and I'm paying you to ruin their life. I can get trouble for free. I don't need to pay for it. You have one responsibility, to work through people. Ephesians 4.12 applies to you. And if you don't want to do it, that's cool. Maybe you're not meant to do it. Maybe you should do something else, but you can't work here. Yeah, but no one will do it like I can do it. Yeah, that's not true. You're not that good. No one's that good. Imagine if your body thought that way. Right? I mean, your lungs are going, I'm tired of this lung stuff. So I'm, I'm done. I'm done. I want to be a foot. Lungs make lousy feet. So I just want to encourage you. This isn't, the pastors have to be the ones to initiate. But at the end of the day, your, your key volunteers have to do this. And we'll get into some of the reasons why it doesn't happen because I want this to be practical. Here's the third thing that Jesus did to, 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 to multiply the kingdom of God is to understand why he invested, why he invested his time and influence. First thing he did was he spent time with them so they could spend time, listen, with him. With him. Mark 3, 14 says, and he ordained 12 that they should be with him. Who are you spending your with him time? There's always a transfer of responsibility. Remember with Moses, teach them and then show them. He actually says, show them twice, teach them once. So if I'm going to take somebody into a place of responsibility, I have to teach them the, what, what, what the values that we do and why you do it and, and how you do it. But then if I don't show them, if they don't come with me and see it, they'll never get it. Most pastors spend more time visiting hospitals than is appropriate. Well, I mean, they want me. If I don't come, they'll be offended. So that's when you want to stand before a Savior that bled and died for you. Why didn't you do it the way I did it? A person who was sick would be upset with me. Can you imagine looking, you know, to me, if I understand theologically, if this is correct, and it may not be, but best I can see, Jesus is the only physical being will be marred in heaven. He's a lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. The only God will carry marks of imperfection in his being for an eternity for me. And I can't imagine looking at him as the lamb slain from the foundations of the world and anything mattering more than what he, what he died for and the manner in which he wanted me to do it. So why I do all the hospital visits? What do I do? Choose people. Well, one. No, choose five. Well, I don't have five. Yes, you do. 
No, you have five, I promise you. You have five. Well, I don't know if I do. Have you prayed and asked God who the five are? Well, no, I'm too busy. Do the first thing Jesus did. Pray to find out who. And then invest in them. Just as a point of caution, if you're training a woman and you're a man, you don't go together. Because stupid happens that way, right? That just, that's a side thought. So I, I begin to give you the why. And you come with me. And you watch me do it. And then I include you in it. And then I watch you do it. And then you do it. Oh, that's perfect. No, it isn't. Now I only have one person. So I'm not going to train one person. I'm training a multiplier. I want to find someone who has a heart to do this that can train 20 other people. If not, I'm going to be training every person personally. So who are my five? Well, I got to find one first that can be the multiplier because I'm going to turn it over to them and I'm going to help them build their team. And the time I spend at the hospital is going to be spent with them, teaching them and solving problems with them, helping them to think through it, spending time with them. His purpose was, though, that he might send them. He didn't just spend time with them so they could be close to him, so that he could send them to do something. Now, I'm going to say something that's going to sound like I'm minimizing certain ministries in the church, but I'm not. Most local churches, the highest level of service is to do something like be usher, greeter, parking lot, cafe. Those are all incredibly important. And if they're done well, they they actually will grow your church because they'll never listen to you if they don't do their job well. So that's very important. But there are very few people with great capacity that want to pass a bucket. Remember, don't take somebody out of their life out here into the kingdom and move them down into their capacity. Move it laterally. Companies do it all the time. If you have worked for a company for 15, 20 years and you're highly skilled and you're going to go to another company, they don't start you on the bottom, do they? What do they do? They bring you laterally or above where you were because they respect your experience. Well, I don't have any high-capacity people. Do you have any high-capacity jobs for people? I don't have any high-capacity people. Do you have any high-capacity jobs in the calling of your church for people? Where has the vision been narrowed to your resources instead of the other way around? Jesus didn't narrow the vision. Remember what he said, go get me the whole world. That's pretty big. His purpose was that he might send them. Again, in, in, in Mark 3.14, he ordained 12 that they should be with him that he might send them forth to preach. Luke 6.13, and when it was day, he called him to his disciples, and of them he chose 12, named them apostles or sent ones. Luke 10.1, after this, Jesus appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Jesus was intentional, but he gave them 
He, he named them, and then he gave them the privilege to do it. Question. When the disciples, the 12, went out two by two, and the 72 went out two by two, did Jesus go with any of them? Nope. He, he, never, he, he didn't go with any of them. They came back and told him what they did. The demons are subject to us in your name. He said, big deal. I saw Satan fall from lightning, like lightning from heaven. You rejoice, your name's written. That's no big deal. He said, look, look, you can't imagine what we did. Yeah, yeah, I really can. That's why I sent you. He didn't go with them. I want you to get that. He didn't go with them. Why? Because he wasn't going to be able to be with them anyway. Jesus is the ultimate delegator. He left the planet. Are you looking for people with capacity all the time? When you meet people. I want to give you a principle. I call it the Velcro principle. The grace on my life is attached to the call of my life, which will birth out into a vision. Grace, everyone's grace isn't meant to connect any more than my ankle should connect to the small of my back. The body of Christ, like the physical body, should be in unity, but not in union. Unity means we have one head, one purpose. Union means you're connected. If, the, if my ankle connects to the small of my back, I have to go to the hospital. They weren't meant to be connected. So who am I supposed to be connected to as the lead pastor? Who should... Who was Jesus connected to? Oh, the, everyone with trouble. No. He spent more time with three people than anybody. There's a reason behind it. Are you looking for and praying for and about people with influence and capacity? You're a respecter of persons. Was Jesus? Did he select people? Was he a respecter of persons? Yeah, but so-and-so really would like that. And I didn't ask them. Who cares? Who do you serve? Well, they're going to get offended. Why would you ever put somebody so spiritually immature in a position anyway? Do you get offended? Oh, I don't like the way you're doing that. Yeah, you know, you're a spiritual child. I love you. But we let kids play. We don't give them responsibility. But honesty is really, really is a good thing. And as I told you, I'm not telling you something I did well in the beginning. I lied to people. I'm not, I, 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 knew, I knew I was lying. But I, wanted, I was being kind. I was a kind liar. It's still lying. It's still lying. Pleasing an audience of one makes you a truth teller. In love. And so you simply say to people, I, I don't think you're ready to do this. Well, I don't accept that. That's why. Because you just acted like a child. And you can't focus on other people when you're worried about you. Being a grown-up means you never start sentences with, I want. And as long as you do that, you're not ready. Leaders don't start sentences with, I Servants don't do that. 
So when the, when the needs and care of people mean more to you than your own, that'll show maturity. But don't feel bad about it. I mean, we all have to grow spiritually. You keep growing spiritually. God has a plan for you. But I'm not going to put you somewhere you don't belong. Because I'll harm you and I'll harm people. Can I tell you this? That when you put good people in positions they're not qualified for, you corrupt them. My roommate in college, and I'd, I'd like to say college like I actually went, I was stoned. It was, anyway, I was drunk and got back with God and left him with the Bible school. But here's the deal. My roommate's best friend was drafted out of high school to pitch for the Oakland A's back then. And the owner of the Oakland A's was crazy back then, Charlie Finley. He did, he, no way was going to pay these guys all this money. So he got rid of all of his team and took guys literally out of high school, put them in the major leagues. I don't care if we win or lose. I'm not blowing that money on these people. No way. Free agency, he didn't like it. Guy's named Tim Conroy, great pitcher. He was in, from high school and then in the major leagues the next year. In two years, he blew his arm out. He blew his arm out because he didn't get the opportunity to develop. And they cut his, his career, instead of being 10, 12 years, making, at that point, would have been probably 20, 15 to 20 million. He was done in two years. Because he was put somewhere he wasn't prepared for. You're actually doing a service to people if they're not ready. My job is to look for capacity people. I'll give you an example. I, at the end of every service, I hang out with people. I go out and I greet folks. I just hang out until they're gone. Then I go home. And it shocked me how many people come to me and say, I just think it's amazing you come out and greet people. And I'm like, what? How nuts have things gotten when you just like just being with people? There is no hierarchy in a body. Now, you have to protect your time for valid reasons, but that's not the time to protect it. I want to be with people. And pray for people and just be with them. So this guy comes up to me. And I could tell, I don't even know if he's saved, but I don't, he came. I said, uh, what do you do? He said, well, I'm in law school. I said, oh, no, guy's like 55. You could tell. I said, okay. I said, I'm curious. You're, I know you're in your 50s, right? Yeah, yeah. Why are you in law school? I, I just really wanted to do this. I said, what did you do before this? He said, oh, I was a transplant surgeon. I said, what? You were what? I was a transplant surgeon. I said, well, you got bored putting kidneys and livers in people. Yeah, kind of. Now you're in law school. Uh-huh. I said, I have to have lunch with you. I, 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 I want to know this story. I don't care if he's a Buddhist. I want to know that story. <laughs> Over a two-year period, I probably met with him maybe once every three months and just simply discipled him, gave him next steps. He's out of law school today. He started a Christian nonprofit. His wife is going to work for, oh, I forget the name of the large ministry that feeds people. Compassion International. She's a PhD nursing something, whatever. She's leaving that field to go and serve in a Christian nonprofit. 
Now, they're not going to serve anywhere in the church I pastor because they're, they're, they're going to be doing their thing. I didn't want to, to release his capacity to help our church. I'm his pastor. And I wanted to see that capacity multiply in the kingdom. You've got to be willing to invest in the right people like Jesus did. And let me go back to the Velcro. The grace on your life. You know what Velcro is. It's hoops and hooks, right? You ever notice when Velcro goes bad, you're always moving it around trying to fell it. All you're finding are hoops that haven't broken yet. All right, that's all Velcro is. Your grace and someone else, it's hoops and hooks. And if you can be, you practice the lifestyle of Jesus, those hoops and hooks will find each other. Because he sets them in the church as it pleases him. This isn't a strategy. It's an obedience to the head of the church. And he's wanting to bring those parts of the body together in union, not just unity. And what I've discovered, the greater the vision, the more hoops and hooks of high-capacity people God puts in my place. I'm a steelworker's kid, okay? I, I, don't have, I don't have a college degree. And where I live, most everybody has some kind of master's degree. And I've always wanted to say, God, well, I don't know why you sent me here. I'm a blue-collar kid. I don't fit this place. But again, God chooses the morons. Why? So that no flesh can glory in his presence. I'll tell you something about rich flesh. It's messed up like poor flesh. People need Jesus. I don't care what they have. So this Sunday, I'm out doing what I do. Now, when I go greet people, I'm always looking. I'm talking to somebody. I'm, I'm, I'm asking God, connect me to people with capacity. Because I want to release them into their calling, into their grace. Now, if it serves the church and the mission, wonderful. But that's not my mission. My mission is to pastor them. So I'm standing out there, and I, and I literally was there about 10, 15 minutes. This guy's waiting to see me. He comes up, and he introduces himself, and he said, um, now, I'll just, just preface this. Last four years, this started with a, a word from God in prayer that in, in, in the wineskin being built in the new generation, that God is going to go behind the walls of the LGBTQ community and, and, and rescue people from that darkness. He's going to get behind those impenetrable walls. And, and then he spoke to me about the, the university system. He said, I'm going to drop people in those systems and I'm going to raise them up to set those prisoners free. Once you see people that are the sheep, if you will, are the, the reason Jesus died as an enemy, as a political opponent, you're done. You're done. You're just done. People are the object of his love. They are the reason for his death. And the only difference between me and them is Jesus. Come on, that's it. It really is. So this guy comes up to me and he said, um, uh, and he, I, he, he was a CEO of some company. And, but he was on the board of, a, of, of one of the universities in our area. Pittsburgh's known for, there's a, a lot of universities in the city area. And he said, um, he said, I'm on the board at, at 
such and such university, and our president had some issues, and now they've made me the president of the university. He said, uh, can we get together? I said, yeah, I'd love that. I said, give me your information and we'll connect. And so that was just Sunday. I'll make sure as soon as I can to go have lunch with him. And I want to, why? This man has amazing capacity. What's he, what's he supposed to do for God? I don't know if he knows that. That's all I want to know. How are you going to leverage him for the church? I'm not, le- what am I? Like a, a shoe salesman, leverage your foot in the shoe. My job is to help you discover your purpose and then follow it. If that benefits the, the context of our mission, great. If not, it's going to benefit the world. And I found it amazing, the people of influence now that find me. They look, no, I mean, it's supernatural. Here's a question I have for you. People say, because we've had some amazing things happen financially. I can't, man, that's amazing. X amount of dollars were given in one thing by one person. And I wish God would do that for me. I said, have you ever needed that much money to fulfill a mission? Well, no, but if I had the money, I'd do the mission. Yeah, that's not how it works. Remember that triangle? Faith, grace, and humility? If you're waiting for permission for money, you're done. I need to take a side journey just for a sec, if that's okay. When do we start again? 10.30? Yeah, okay, I'm sorry, guys. I'm good, okay. I, I, lose, I can't hold a detail with both hands. No, I can't. It's terrible. And now I've lost my train of thought. Yeah, but I, I got to find the side. It's somewhere in here. It's gone. It'll come back, hopefully. My hope is to help you see that you have got to be the person looking, and not just the pastor, everybody. You've got to be looking for the people with capacity. And now here's the other side of that. Who, is, who are in roles today that don't have it? What are you willing to do about it? If the answer is nothing, and just status quo, nothing's going to change. Man, we're going to have a move of God this weekend. It won't matter. I don't think any of us had the kind of miracles that Moses had. But it wasn't enough. If I am not willing to follow the practices of Jesus, but I want it to be overcome by the Holy Spirit showing up, that's not how it works. If he did, the fish would come out of the net anyway. Who's leading departments that, that shouldn't be? Who can multiply? Who is attracted? See, remember, hoops and hooks? People with capacity want to get connected to people with capacity. That seems very, very, I don't know, it just seems wrong. Like some people are more important. Was it more important for Moses to define somebody who had capacity to serve 10 or 50 or hundreds or thousands? Was that wrong? God told him to do it. Was it so that people could have a position? No, it was to serve the people. So the, why did Jesus do it? Why did he invest his time in influence? So he could select the people that had the grace to do things because grace really is sufficient. Simple question. 
Am I investing my time in the few in order to define their role, equip them, and send them? And see, these aren't um, hypotheticals because a calendar is my friend. When I, when I feel stressed and, and kind of burnt out, I look at my calendar. My phone's off now, so, because it was making things hum. And I open my calendar and I go back, wow, I'm not spending time with the right people. Two Sundays ago, I left after church, flew to Charleston, moved my daughter on Monday, flew back Monday night. Last Sunday, I flew out of Pittsburgh, went to Austin for an ice storm. Thank you, Texas. But it was to minister with the pastors. This Sunday, got finished with church, got on a plane to come here. Now, someone would say to me, you're going to wear yourself out. Well, I love my daughter, and I would have walked just to get to look at her. So it was a treat for me. Being with you doesn't wear me out. It's my reason for being in the kingdom. But aren't there things that need done at your church? Yeah. Then why are you here? Because his grace is sufficient. Because I want to be used in the way that my grace is most beneficial, where the hoops and hooks work. So that simple question, am I investing my time in the few to define their role, equip them, and send them? And it came back to me. When COVID hit, um, we had just launched our first campus, and I won't go into the reason why we delayed it for so long. Um, three weeks into COVID, we had to shut down our first campus. So it launched with about 700 people, and then it was gone. And we've really never gotten it back to where it was from, and it wouldn't have stayed at 700. It would have dropped down to about 450, 500. But that's a pretty good start for a campus. Would you honestly, wouldn't you think? So, but it disappeared. And then the one north of us, we adopted in the middle of, of COVID. And, and, and it left me again. I really do have ADD. It's, 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 it's okay. Jesus uses everybody that has whatever. I feel like Rain Man, Charlie Babbitt. Charlie Babbitt, that's an old movie. Charlie Babbitt. I was telling you something for a reason. Ah, I get it now. Thank you, Jesus, for helping me. He's looking. You know, there are angels that are like you. The kid needs help. After COVID, and I'm looking at our congregation every week, I think, I don't know, I don't know half these people. It felt to me like half our church was new. So I went to our guys, I said, can you guys do some, go into our database. So we went into our database. I'm saying this for a reason. Went into our database. And we, if you, we consider you a regular attender if you ping our system every three weeks for six months. We know you're there. So who was in our database prior to COVID and who is new? Now, we lost... Okay, let me... The new people since COVID, since two weeks into COVID, at our, at our main campus, 42% of the people are new. It's, we've never, we have never grown like that in our life. But we're still not back to our normal number. 
almost 1,800 people left our church. That's a church split. Isn't it? But our finances went up 20%. Our missions giving went up significantly. Why? Why did they leave? It's a good question. Because you always want to ask it, right? It's a, Lord, that's a lot of people to leave. But I know why. Because during COVID, Christians wanted me to make Donald Trump my focus in the next election. And they wanted me to fight against masks and all kind of nonsense that I don't care about. I want to know if you're going to heaven or hell first. All right, all right. They wanted me... <clears throat> to make the enemy of our mission field. And I began to talk to people who would rather have somebody vote a certain way than get saved. The wrath of man doesn't work the righteousness of God, ever. And I watched people, and I believe it was, it's a, a delusion. Now, listen, I'm more conservative than Rush Limbaugh. So don't misinterpret this. I'm being honest with you. But I watch people exchange a spirit of faith for a spirit of rage. And they went to church every day watching some stupid news programs. Now, I watched them too, and that's why I had to stop. Because they're selling me potatoes and beans while they're lying to me. Even if they're telling me the truth, they just want me to keep, if I can get you ticked off, you'll come back and we can be mean, we can be mad together. That's a real, that's a great method to reach people. So now again, I'm being very honest with you. I am extremely conservative. I hold biblical values and right is right and wrong is wrong. And we deal with the issues in a redemptive way that are, that are relevant to the culture. So I'm not suggesting you skirt the issue, but people wanted me to make some other kingdom other than the kingdom first in my life. And I'm not doing it. So I would just say it publicly. Now again, if you pastor long enough, you can do this. If you're just starting, don't do this. Because people know you, and I would say, listen, if you want to make another kingdom first, I don't care what it is, whether it's racial issues, whether it's political, whatever, fill in the, I don't care how righteous your issue is. If that kingdom is first to you and you're a believer, you're backslidden and I can go stupid without help. So you keep your stupid. I'm not coming. Hallelujah. <laughs> and I intentionally split our church. What do you mean by that? If you don't tell people the truth, people will leave in groups connected to one another because you let them develop their own understanding and expectation. Be honest with people. Now, I've made this public since, but when President um, Trump was being, um, got the Republican nomination, how many of you remember they had to do it at the White House because of COVID? Remember that? And, um, and that, remember the guys, the people that went there got attacked on the way out, walking back to their hotels. It's horrible. So I get a phone call about a week or so before the event. And it's a, a pastor friend of mine. He said, uh, 
the, the president is inviting five pastors to come to this, and he'd like you to be one of them. He doesn't know me from a dog, but it's his team because I'm in Pennsylvania. That's, that's a real important swing state. And he'd like you to come, and he'd like to spend about 45 minutes with you and, and, and these other four pastors in the Oval Office and then invite you to, I think it was in the Rose Garden, to be in the event. Now, did I want to go? I mean, would that have been an amazing experience? Oh, man, I was like, oh, that would be a blast. But here's what I also knew. I absolutely loved Trump's policies. But the manner in which he lived his life, I could not, I could not put my name to. And I said no. And I was bummed. I was like, oh, I mean, I've never been, I mean, I've walked, driven by the way. Get to go in the Oval Office. And I loved his policies for the most part. I mean, they were made. He loved the church more than Lincoln. I mean, this dude was like, the founders were like backslidden compared to his policy. Dude was crazy for the church. He really was. But I didn't go for one reason. Because I know I would have ended up, it would have been known, it would have been on social media, and I would have lost influence with half of my mission field. Well, bless God, you need to stand for something. I do. Lost people. That's who I stand for. And nothing, nothing is, nothing is more important than heaven and hell. Nothing. Nothing. Not the next election. Because by the way, I don't know if you noticed, there's still people. I don't care what party they're in. Politics is ugly and is dirty and is full of deception because people are in it. Why am I telling you that? Don't let your, don't let your mission morph into the rage of the day. Jesus died for people. Don't speak ill against the ones he shed his blood for. Give your life for them. Doesn't mean you don't look. I'm not saying wishy-washy, there's no right or wrong. I didn't say any of that stuff. You can tell the truth but love people. But Christians, listen now, do, have lived the opposite of what Jesus did. It's a question I've had through the years, which has helped me live my life differently than I would have. Sinners were attracted to Jesus. And I ask the question, why aren't they attracted to the church? Why is it that they're not attracted to us like they were him? Because we have led with your wrong instead of your loss. And the only way a lost person is found is if someone who came out of that same lost condition goes and gets them. I'm talking to you about leading the way Jesus did. I was on my way to the church one day doing something with our staff, and I forget the, con the topic. And in my mind, I was angry because some of this stuff will drive you nuts when you see it, right? And I'm just going, my head, da, 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 da. and, I'm, and I'm, I, 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 was, I started to pray because I'm on my way, and, and then my mind started working, and, I, and now I'm into five generations of stupid stuff going on politically, and it's all in my head. And then I, oh, I said, okay, I, I, okay I'll, I'll sin later. Let me do this church thing. And so the Holy Spirit so convicted my soul. I said, who do you think you are? 
You think your babblings are going to change this? If there's any good in you or any views that are righteous, I gave them to you. The only difference between you and them is me. And that's such a humbling thought that he rescued me. And somebody paid the price to go into my family's life and win them to Christ. I'm so glad they did. I'm so glad the political world didn't make them not reach into my family's life and lead me to hell. I'm saying all this to simply take you to a place of looking at the actual practices of Jesus. Am I doing this? Am I more focused on the people that can multiply, that can build under them, that can take vision and multiply it and multiply the, the grace gifts in people to usage? Am I, or, or am I more focused on the events of the day, the next election? The election was stolen. Okay, it may have been. But let's say you prove that it was, and everybody, everything can go back how you wanted it to be. The guy going to hell is still going. You can imagine him showing up in hell, and on the way down, he's in the flames, and it's like, hey, at least we got the election right. It isn't that these things aren't relevant. It doesn't mean that as an American, you shouldn't use your voice. You have the privilege to do that in our country. It just can't be first. And as a pastor, I would admonish you, encourage you, don't do that, and don't let other people make you do it. But they're really, you know, strong supporters of the church. And if I don't placate them in sin against God, they'll leave. Who died for me? Please an audience of one. Be kind. Be polite to people. Have conversations. And they haven't always gone well. I'm not pretending I've always been right, but at least I've been honest. Authenticity will take you a long way with folks. And when you do something stupid, I just tell people. You know, it's not like they didn't know. You know, it's like you say, oh, yeah, that was stupid. And people are like, y you think? We, we kind of knew that, you know. So I, I, in our final few minutes here before we get to the break, I, I really do want you to ask this question. Look at your calendar as your time is an investment like you would with money. Have you chosen to narrow your focus to the like Jesus did? Are you thinking of the multitudes and all the problems and everything that needs to be done? Or are you, the 72 would be maybe your, your team, your dream team, or your workers and serve, people serving helps. You say, well, I don't even have staff. I don't have 12 and 3. Yes, you do. This principle doesn't doesn't only apply if you have paid staff. In fact, the reason your leadership is more difficult than virtually anything in the world, Peter Drucker, who's a, a management guru through the years, I think he's, he's passed since, written amazing management books secularly. He said the greatest demonstration of leadership is in the nonprofit and church world. Because they have no product, they can only have people choose to do something by passion. Companies have leverage of the paycheck. Don't lose the very reason you're in the ministry. Don't be diverted. Pray out certain things. Exercise your, your, your right to vote. 
Tell the truth to people. But never, ever, please never lift the salvation of human beings that Jesus died for. Please don't make that above. Make that your first. He came to seek and save the lost. And so we're going to take a, um, a break here. And then we're going to carry this on. In the, the last session, we're going to do some Q&A as well, correct? And I'm, I'll get through the, the final uh, uh, two. For more information on our annual conferences, including our leadership conference, women's conference, men's conference, youth leader intensive, and youth camps and conferences, visit nrpastors.com. To check out all of our podcasts, including the Leadership and Context podcast by Keith Tusi, the Flourish Women's podcast by Penny Tusi, and the podcast for all of our conferences, click on the podcast tab on our website. We can't wait to see you at one of our conferences soon.